Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we'll be listening to a sermon by Pastor Dana O'Brien from April 24th, 2022, titled, Dealing with Doubt. We hope you enjoy this message and that it offers some meaning for your life. This is from John, the 20th chapter, beginning at the 19th verse. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, which just happened to be the day that God raised Jesus from the dead, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. After he said this, he then said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and again said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, one of Jesus' disciples, was not with them when Jesus came that night. So the other disciples told him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. So a week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them again and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of the Lord. All right. So today, as you can guess, we're going to talk about something really fun. So to struggle with one's faith is often the surest sign that we actually have faith. And that's a quote from A.J. Svoboda, the author of a book called After Doubt, How to Question Your Faith Without Losing It. So today we're looking at doubt. We're looking, about, looking at the, the questions and the uncertainties that many of us have about our faith. And we do that knowing that we are not alone in our doubts. Because the story I just read is about probably the most famous doubter ever, right? It's John's gospel story of Jesus' first two post-resurrection appearances to his disciples, but most of us don't know it as that. Most of us know it better as the story of doubting Thomas, the disciple who had to see for himself before he would believe. Now, some of you, especially if you've grown up in the church, you might have heard some not-so-nice things about Thomas possibly about how Thomas was not a very good disciple for putting conditions on his belief, or about how we shouldn't doubt like Thomas, or maybe how a strong faith doesn't leave any room for questions or doubts. However, I think that the world that we live in right now, this is a really important story for us to hear, because it reminds us, all of those of us who doubt, and yes, I put myself firmly in that camp, we are not alone. We are not alone. Other people in the Bible doubt it. Moreover, it reminds us of how Jesus deals with our doubts by welcoming us, by inviting those doubts and questions, and by offering God's presence. So, for some of you, hearing a pastor admit to her doubts about her faith may not sound too comforting. But I'm guessing that if I were to ask 
Who here has ever doubted or questioned their faith? Go ahead and raise your hands. You don't have to. Yeah, but <laughs> a lot of hands. There, these people are so excited in here, people at home. The people in here are already starting to raise their hands. I bet, without asking you, I bet a lot of hands would go up here and at home, right? And for those of you who have never doubted, I'll, first of all, let me admit I'm a bit envious. But second, I bet you, even if you've never doubted, I bet you you know people who have, people who do doubt. So, so this interaction of doubt and faith is something that we all need to explore, both for ourselves, if we're the doubters, and for those around us, if we're hanging around with doubters. And fortunately for us, we're just so lucky, these are the questions that the Bible generally, and today's story specifically, speaks to. Now, I know a number of Christian churches don't take too kindly to questions and challenges. You may have heard the phrase or seen the bumper sticker, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, right? That's not the most open phrase that you might want to start out with. Um, in some places, faith and doubt are at totally opposite ends of the spectrum. They'll tell you the true faith doesn't leave any room for questions or uncertainty. Doubt may even be described as a sin something that should be avoided at all costs. I think I might have heard that when I was little. And if you've got doubts or questions, by all means, don't let anyone know, because that's a really bad thing. So maybe some of you, like me, are familiar with churches that might have told you those things in the past. You may not be too surprised to find out that I completely disagree, right? And, and, and usually, I usually go along with the crowd. I just, I, I, anyway, um, yes, I completely disagree. Instead, I am convinced that the Lutheran theologian Paul Tillich was really, really on the, on the spot when he says, doubt isn't the opposite of faith. In fact, it is an element of faith. You see, faith and doubt go hand in hand, right? Doubt is in fact both a natural and essential part of many people's faith journeys. And we need to make sure that we make room for it, both in our own faith lives and here in this community of faith. So think about it, you guys, just think about it. The faith that we inherit, if you've been, you know, if, you've, if your parents passed along a faith, the faith that we inherit is pretty black and white. And it's gotta be, because that kids can't think in nuance. They don't think in gray, they think in black and white. As we grow, as we make that faith our own, and it's one of the reasons I love doing confirmation with Barb, because she always tells us, that's what our job here is. It's to help you make this faith your own. So you own it and it's going to, all of our faith journeys are going to be different. But anyway, as we grow and we make the faith our own, we often run into questions. We often run into doubts, particularly when we hit, and for those of us who have these kind of people in your house, when we hit our teenage years and really well into college and beyond, there's this period where one questions pretty much everything, right? Us older people remember that. And that, and that doesn't exclude God. It doesn't exclude church. We question everything. And for some, for some, at any time in our life, our life experiences pose serious challenges to our faith, to our, to our understanding of exactly who God is. Some of, let's be honest, some of the biblical stories don't seem to make a lot of sense in light of what we know about science and history. And it's, and it's hard not to ask questions about God's power, even God's existence, in light of the pain and suffering that's going on in our world. I was saying to a couple people earlier that today is Easter in the Orthodox Church, and I heard on the news that both Putin and Zelensky are both in worship today. And, and if that doesn't cause you to, to, to ask some questions about what God they're both praying to, I don't know what does. But, but you know, this is, this is, these are difficult times. These are confusing times, and, and there's a lot of of suffering and evil going on in our world. And, and if we aren't asking questions about that, then I think we're not thinking too much. 
So, and then there's a lot of, there's the, there's the church itself, right? The church talks a lot about God's love for all people. We talk about it here all the time. But sometimes the church acts in ways that are exclusive or judgmental or downright nasty, right? And so if we've experienced any of that harmful behavior ourselves, or if we know anybody who's, who's had to deal with that, it's tempting. It's tempting to doubt not only the institution, but the faith itself. Now, in, indeed, I want to add this other part. Increasingly, people are not only doubting or questioning aspects of their faith, but they are engaging in complete deconstructing. They're deconstructing their faith. And you guys, that's the other D word that I wanted to mention. I know, I bet some of you thought we were going in an entirely different direction, but, but it's the, the D word is deconstruction, people, not anything else. Deconstruction is basically what happens when doubts and questions continue to pile up and pile up until, until they are so big and there are so many that someone is ready to re-examine the entirety of their faith. They're simply not sure if they can trust any of this anymore. And so they systematically dissect all their different beliefs and sometimes, sometimes they end up rejecting some or all of the beliefs that they grew up with. Sometimes they come back around and end up in a different place, usually not in the same place, in a different place. And while the term deconstruction, and it usually pops up in the context of more conservative Christians who are rejecting many of their inherited beliefs, it's really popular. If you, if you Google it, you'll find a whole bunch of websites and podcasts that address this, this issue. But it certainly applies to any of us who are questioning the basics of our faith. So today, I want to highlight a couple of things that the Bible says about doubt and deconstruction, and, I want to I want to, and, and how we're called to address them as a faith community. So first, as indicated by today's story and so many others in the Bible, we are not alone in our doubts. Indeed, the Bible is chock full, I love that, that phrase, chock full of doubters. Just look, you guys, just look at the many psalms of lament, right? We read some of them on Good Friday. Those psalms question God's love, God's presence, God's will for our lives. Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah, two of the most famous, famous ancestors doubted God's promises of a son in their old age, right? Sarah even laughed at, at, John's, at God's messengers. Even John the Baptist, the guy who was heralding Jesus' appearance, even John doubted. Remember, he was in prison, and he was so uncertain that he had to send messengers to Jesus to say, are you the one? Are you the, the one that was promised, or are, are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? The disciples are great examples of big-time doubters, okay? We think, we think primarily of Thomas in today's lesson. But did you listen carefully to today's gospel? If you, if you listen carefully, you, you realize that all of the disciples doubted, all of them. Because remember in the story we read last week about Easter morning, Mary Magdalene saw Jesus and she ran back to tell the disciples that she had seen him and that he had told her that he, to tell the, the disciples that he was alive. But yet, this is the same night, later that evening, where are they at the beginning of today's story? They're afraid, they're locked behind closed doors. So Jesus comes and shows himself to all the disciples except Thomas, but yet where do we find them one week later? They are still hiding behind closed doors. Do they look like people without doubts? Not so much. And it's not just, it's not just John's gospel that reports the disciples' doubts after Jesus' resurrection. Luke notes that even as, as Jesus was showing his disciples his hands and feet, quote, in their joy they were disbelieving, they were disbelieving and wondering. And in the very last verses of Matthew's gospel, where we're told that Jesus 
had his last post-resurrection encounter with his disciples, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They worshipped him, but some doubted. Even Jesus' disciples, saw, who saw the resurrection of Jesus, had doubts. And it's not just the biblical characters. You can think back on really major people of faith who had their own doubts. Luther wrote about the many times he battled doubt in his own life. And he had, it's a German word, uh, these periods of, of time that he called Affektung, and it's an, it's an untranslatable German word. Uh, but bone deep doubt comes about as close as you're going to get. And then I think we all read about Mother Teresa's diaries and how when they were opened after her death, we saw that notwithstanding you know, the face that she put on for most people, we saw her bitter struggles with doubt and the meaning behind her work. Throughout history, a myriad of Christian writers have documented the tension between doubt and faith in their own lives. You guys, if you're a doubter like me, you are not alone. Second, God welcomes our questions. You guys, God is pretty big. He can handle our doubts. He can handle our questions. He can handle our anger. And he can handle lots of stuff. God is really big. So look at today's gospel, okay? How does Jesus respond to Thomas's doubts? Does he come, does he come and yell at him? Does he, does he, does he, um, is he angry and, 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 and abusive? No, he comes and he offers Thomas exactly what he needs. He's not impatient. He's not condemning. He extends grace. He provides, he provides this, just the insurance that Thomas needs. That's it, you guys. So also God comes to each of us in our doubt, in our questioning. Not necessarily to dispel that doubt through offers of proof or by concretely answering all our questions. I don't know about you, but I've had questions all my life, and God has not answered them all. Some, but not all. But instead, here's what God does. God gives himself to us. God gives us his presence over and over and over again to assure us that God is with us in the midst of our doubt and to give us the strength to live in the tension between doubt and faith. And, and that's the same thing that God does whenever we're suffering, whenever we're low, whenever we're, we're hurting. God comes to us, gives us his presence, and lives and walks with us. Equally important, God continues to work in and through us despite our doubts and uncertainties. I had somebody ask me last week, well, I really screwed up. Does that mean you're going to kick me out of the church? Of course not. We need everybody we can get. No, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> anyway, in both John and Matthew's Gospels, knowing their, knowing their doubts, right? They had just said, these people doubted. Jesus nevertheless sends his disciples out as his witnesses to share the good news with the world. You've got to wonder what kind of dope Jesus was to send out these complete losers. But you know, he does it all the time. He doesn't wait for them to get it all together. If Jesus waited for them to get it all together, what would happen? Nobody would go anywhere because we never have it all together, right? He sends them out just as they are doubts and all. Jesus knows. Jesus knows that the journey of faith is not a linear one. Instead, it's all over the place. Jesus knows that doubts will arise. Jesus knows that often these doubts and questions, and if you've had them, you know, often doubts and questions are how our faith grows, right? So people, bring your questions and doubts to God. Share them with God in prayer. Notwithstanding, notwithstanding what you may have heard elsewhere, I assure you God will not smite you. Instead, I just like using the word smite. Instead, God will provide you with what you need, and walk with you as you wrestle with your faith. God will help you wrestle. And if you've got God wrestling on your side, it's really hard to lose. Here's the thing. Those of you who have struggled with doubts and questions, those of us who have been forced to re-examine some of our beliefs, 
And I've told you in the past how I've had to re-examine a lot of my beliefs when I went to seminary and over these last 10 years because the, 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 what I learn about God is not consistent with, with what I learned as a child. We're forced to re-examine some of our beliefs, but what so often happens? What so often happens? Well, we do have to, we do give up some of the black and white rules that we may have inherited, but ultimately we find that our faith grows, it deepens, it matures. Remember you guys, Faith is not primarily a set of beliefs that we ascribe to up here, right? It's not stuff that we say, okay, this, 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 and this, that must mean I'm Christian. Faith is a relationship. Faith is a relationship, a relationship with the God of the universe who loves us more than we can imagine. And if you ever, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your concerns, in the midst of, of all the stuff you don't know, that you know. Hang on to that. You are in relationship with the God of the universe who loves you more than you can imagine. I say it all the time and you know it. If you ever doubt who God is, look to Jesus on the cross. That tells you everything you need to know about how much God loves you. And just hang on to that. That's what Luther did when things were going really bad for him. Like all relationships, our relationship with God changes over time, but it becomes deeper, hopefully, as we grow to know God's love and, and comfort more intimately. Our entire lives, we know this, our entire lives are journeys of faith, walks with God that, that, and embedded in that faith are both doubts and certainties and questions and you know, all the time. You guys, at times, we are all Thomas, right? At times, we are all that father in one of my favorite verses in Mark, the father that brings his son to Jesus and says, I believe, help my unbelief, in the same sentence. I believe, help my unbelief, faith and doubt exist side by side in so many of us, in most of us, I would guess. Third, because God welcomes our doubts, we, as a faith community, welcome each other's questions and doubts as well. You guys, it's just simply another part of living out our welcome statement, right? We, when somebody comes in the door, we don't say, I'm sorry, if you're a doubter, you're not welcome here. No, everybody is, is welcome here. And so, we welcome all people, even those who don't have their faith lives together. But again, who here has their faith life together, right? We want to make sure that this is a safe place for all of us to express our doubts and questions, even as we welcome the questions and doubts of anyone else who walks in that door or joins us online, because that's who God is. Certainly, we don't have all the answers. In fact, I often feel like I have very few of the answers. Hopefully, you guys have more. But you know, sometimes, sometimes it is really freeing to simply admit I don't know, to simply admit I don't know, or to hear from somebody in authority that they don't know, because you've been trying to figure it out for a long time. The bottom line is that whatever questions we have, others are probably asking similar questions, so we can walk, we can struggle, we can all work together as we live into the tension of faith and doubt. Bottom line, dealing with our faith and our doubts and questions can be scary, okay? It's scary, it's hard. Um, especially, especially if the faith that we're taught as children is being challenged. Because, you know, the faith that we're taught as children is usually pretty certain, because it's black and white. And if you have to give it up, you almost have to give up giant chunks of it, because moving to gray is really hard. And it's even harder if we feel like we're in this alone. But God invites our uncertainties and questions. God walks with us while we wrestle with our doubts, and throughout, God assures us of God's love and gives us the strength to live in the tension between faith and doubt. Struggling with our doubts and questions is not easy, but it is transforming. It is a time when our relationship with God deepens as we entrust ourselves more fully to a God of love and welcome 
and as we become more of the people God created us to be. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music, John Uzardo engineered the sound, Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties, and I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.